Section 17 of The Heptameron of the Tales of Margaret, Queen of Navarre, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. The Heptameron of the Tales of Margaret, Queen of Navarre, Volume 1, by Margaret of Navarre, translated by George Sainsbury. Section 17. Appendix B. About Tale One of the First Day. The letters of remission, which at the instance of Henry the Eighth were granted to Michael de Saint-Aignan in respect of the murder of James de Menil, are preserved in the National Archives of France, Register J two three four, number one hundred and ninety-one, and after the usual preamble, recite the culprit's petition in these terms. Whereas it appears from the prayer of Michael de Saint-Aignan, lord of the said place, that heretofore he for a long time lived and resided in the town of Alençon, in honour and good repute, but to the detriment of his prosperity, life and conduct, there were diverse evil-minded and envious persons, who by sinister, cunning and hidden means persecuted him with all the evils, wiles and deceits that it is possible to conceive albeit the said suppliant had never caused them displeasure, injury, or detriment. Among others, one named James Dumenil, a young man to whom the said suppliant had procured all the pleasure and advantages that were in his power, and whom he had customarily admitted to his house, thinking that the said Dumenil was his loyal friend, and charging his wife and his servants to treat him when he came as though he were his brother by which means Saint-Aignan hoped to induce the said Dumanil to espouse one of his relatives. But Dumanil ill-requited the aforesaid good services and courtesies, and rendering evil for good, as is the practice of iniquity, endeavoured to and did cause an estrangement between the said Saint-Aignan and his wife, who had always lived together in good, great and perfect affection. And the better to effect his purpose, he, Dumanil, gave the said wife to understand, among other things, that Saint-Aignan bore her no affection, that he daily desired her death, that she was mistaken in trusting him, and other evil things not fitting to be repeated, which the wife withstood, enjoining Dumanil not to use such language again, as should he do so, she would repeat it to her husband. But Dumanil, persevering, on diverse occasions, when Saint-Aignan had absented himself, gave the wife of the letter to understand that he, Saint-Aignan, was dead, devising proofs thereof and conjectures, and thinking that by this means he would win her favour and countenance. But she still resisted him, which seeing, the said Dumenil gave her to understand that Saint-Aignan would often absent himself, and that she would be happier if she had a husband who remained with her. And plotting to compass the death of the said Saint-Aignan, Dumenil gave her to understand that if she would consent to the death of her husband, he would marry her, and, in fact, he promised to marry her. And whereas she still refused to consent, the said Dumenil found a means to gain a servant-woman of the house, who, Saint-Aignan being absent and his wife in bed, opened the door to Dumenil, who compelled the said wife to let him lie with her. And thenceforward Dumenil made diverse presents to the servant-woman, so that she should poison the said suppliant, and she consented to his face, but at Easter confessed the matter to Saint-Aignan, entreating his forgiveness, and also saying and declaring it to the neighbours. And the said Dumenil, knowing that he would incur blame and reproach if the matter were brought forward, 
seized and abducted the said servant-woman in all diligence and took her away from the town, whereby a scandal was occasioned. Moreover, it would appear that the said Dumenil had been found several times by night watching the gardens and the door in view of slaying Saint-Aignan, as is notorious in Alessant, by virtue of the admission of the said Dumenil himself. Whereupon Saint-Aignan, seeing his wife thus made the subject of scandal by Dumenil, enjoined him to abstain from coming to his house to see his wife, and to consider the outrage and injury he had already inflicted upon him, declaring, moreover, that he could endure no more, to which Dumenil refused to listen, declaring that he would frequent the house in spite of every one, albeit, in doing so, he might come by his death. Thereupon Saint-Aignan, being acquainted with the evil obstinacy of Dumenil, and desirous of avoiding greater misfortune, departed from the town of Alençon, and went to reside in the town of Argentan, ten leagues distant, whither he took his wife, thinking that Dumenil would abstain from coming. Withal he did not abstain, but came several times to the said town of Argentan, and frequented his, Saint-Aignan's, wife, whereby the people of Argentan were scandalized. And the said Saint-Aignan endeavoured to prevent him from coming, and employed the nurse of his child to remonstrate with Dumenil, but the latter persevered, saying and declaring that he would kill Saint-Aignan, and would still go to Argentan, albeit it might cause his death. Insomuch that the said Dumenil, on the eighth day of this month, departed from Alençon between two and three o'clock in the morning, a suspicious hour, having disguised himself and assumed attire unsuited to his calling, which is that of the law, wearing a Bernese cloak, a jacket of white woolen stuff underneath, all torn into strips, with a feathered cap upon his head, and having his face covered. In this wise he arrived at the said town of Argentan, accompanied by two young men, and lodged in the Faubourgs at the sign of Notre-Dame, and remained there clandestinely from noon till about eleven o'clock in the evening, when he asked the host for the key of the back door, so that he might go out on his private affairs, not wishing to be recognized. At the said suspicious hour, with his sword at his side, and dressed and accoutred in the said garments, he started from his lodging with one of the said young men. In this wise Dumenil reached the house of Saint-Aignan, which he found a means of entering, and gained a closet up above, near the room where the said Saint-Aignan and his wife slept. Saint-Aignan was without thought of this, inasmuch as he was ignorant of the enterprise of the said Dumenil, being in the living-room with one master Thomas Garin, who had come upon business. Now, as Saint-Aignan was disposing himself to go to bed, he told one of his servants, named Collat, to bring him his cuss, and the servant having occasion to go up into a closet in which Saint-Aignan's wife was sleeping, and in which the said Dumenil was concealed, the latter, fearing that he might be recognized, suddenly came out with a drawn sword in his hand, whereupon the said Collat cried, "'Help! There is a robber!' And he declared to Saint-Aignan, that he had seen a strange man who did not seem to be there for any good purpose, whereupon Saint-Aignan said to him, "'One must find out who it is. Is there occasion for anyone to come here at this hour?' Thereupon Collat went after the said personage, whom he found in a little alley near the courtyard behind the house, and the said personage, having suddenly perceived Collat, endeavoured to strike him on the body with his weapon. But Collat withstood him, and gave him a few blows, for which reason he cried out, Help! Murder! Thereupon Saint-Aignan arrived, having a sword in his hand, and after him came the said Garin. Saint-Aignan, 
who as yet did not know Dumenil, on account of his disguise, and also because it was wonderfully dark, found him calling out, Murder! Confession! By which cry the said Saint-Aignan knew him, and was greatly perplexed, astonished, and angered, at seeing his enemy at such an hour in his house, he having been found there with a weapon in the closet. And the said Saint-Aignan, recalling to memory the trouble and worry that Dumenil had caused him, dealt him two or three thrusts in hot anger, and then said to him, Hey, wretch that thou art, what hast brought thee here? Wert thou not content with the wrong thou didst me in coming here previously? I never did thee an ill office. Whereupon the said Dumenil said, It is true, I have too grievously offended you, and am too wicked. I entreat your pardon. And thereupon he fell to the ground as if dead, which seeing, the said Saint-Aignan, realizing the misfortune that had happened, said not a word, but recommended himself to God, and withdrew into his room, where he found his wife in bed, she having heard nothing. On the night of the said dispute, and a little later, Saint-Aignan went to see what the said Dumenil was doing, and finding him in the courtyard dead, he helped to carry him into the stable, being too greatly incensed to act otherwise, and upon the said Collat asking him what should be done with the body, Saint-Aignan paid no heed to this question, because he was not master of himself but merely said to Collat that he might do as he thought fit, and that the body might be interred in consecrated ground or placed in the street. After which Saint-Aignan withdrew into his room and slept with his wife, who had her maids with her. And on the morrow this same Collat declared to Saint-Aignan that he had taken the said body to be buried so as to avoid a scandal. To all of which things Saint-Aignan paid no heed, but on the morrow sent to fetch the two young men in the service of the said Dumenil, who were at his lodging, and had the horses removed from the said lodging, and gave orders to one of the young men to take them back. On account of all which occurrences, he, Saint-Aignan, absented himself, etc., etc., but humbly entreating us, etc., etc., wherefore we now give to the bailiffs of Chartres and Caen, or to their lieutenants, and to each of them severally, and to all, etc., etc., given at Châtelet-Roux, in the month of July, the year of grace, one thousand five hundred and twenty-six, and the twelfth of our reign. Signed, by the King on the report of the Council, de Nogent. Visa contentor de Nogent. It will be seen that the foregoing petition contains various contradictory statements. The closet, for instance, is at first described as being near the room in which Saint-Aignan and his wife slept. Then it is asserted that the wife slept in the closet, but ultimately the husband is shown joining his wife in the bedchamber, where she had heard nothing. The character of the narrative is proof of its falsity, and Margaret's account of the affair may readily be accepted as the more correct one. Editor End of section 17